Earlier this week, I watched a video as I was scrolling through Facebook that brought a tear to my eyes. Now, I don't normally get emotional about content that I see online, but this one, as I watched it, just broke my heart. It was a video documenting the last day of a woman's life, and in it, she had a final interaction with her son. At the end of the video, it ends and just lets us know that the woman passed 10 days after her final conversation with him. And as I sat there, I just was brokenhearted. I was just thinking about this poor family, but as I thought about that, it just led me to think about the fact that this isn't a unique story. Yes, their story is unique to them, but there is just so much sickness, pain, and death in our world. I mean, we see it time and time again where someone will pass of some terrible disease or some common ailment. And as I thought about that, I just couldn't help but be broken over the fact that this is the state of our world. But worse yet than all the sickness and death is the fact that so many of those people die without ever having a hope for eternity. I know it sounds cliche for us to talk about people dying without knowing Jesus, but that's the reality, and it's, it's a, a difficult reality. It's something weighty that really should weigh on our heart. I mean, even as I was, you know, looking down at that video, I thought to myself, like, Kyle, what are you doing? Like, why are you getting emotional over this one story? But it was as if the Holy Spirit just whispered in my ear, no, this is right. I felt that God was leading me to think about perhaps that I need to be more broken about the state of the lives and souls of those in our world. And even though I have no connection to this family, it's good to grieve what's going on in their lives and the lives of those around us. I felt that perhaps this is something that we need to grab a hold of as a church. It's something that we need to actually embrace. We don't often like to think about embracing grief or brokenness, but perhaps being in that heart and mindset would allow us to better understand God and to better be prepared to bring the message of Jesus. Today, as we continue on in the Gospel of Matthew, we're looking at the message of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. There we read about how Jesus came to bring one singular message, which we will read about time and time again as we study the book of Matthew. Maybe not in the words he speaks in this passage, but at the end of the day, it's the simplest, clearest summary of what he came to call our sick and dying world to. So before we dive into Matthew chapter 4, I'm wondering if we could just pray together. Pray for the right hearts to hear what Jesus will speak. We will have the right hearts to look and address our world as we wrestle with the message of Jesus. And would that lead us to a place where we are convicted and compelled to take Jesus' message to our world? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that, God, that you would do something incredible in our world. God, I look at our world and I see the brokenness, I see the sickness, I see the suffering. God, I know that even beyond those surface level things that are so easy for us to see on the outside, there is an incredible amount of sickness and death in the spiritual realm within people's lives. God, I pray that as 
as I was broken over looking at a, a simple video of a family documenting our story, that my heart, that our church's heart, that each of our hearts who are praying here together would be broken over the lives of those in our community, the ones we know, the, the classmates, the, the teachers, the co-workers, the bosses, the, the friends, the family. Lord God, would we see these individuals and know what your heart is for them? God, we, we, we will read about it here in your word in a moment. And God, I pray that, that we would know that message and we would have some conviction of knowing what's going on in these individuals' lives. And Lord, would you use us then, compelled with the right heart, with your heart, O oh God, would we be compelled to bring your message to your people. And Lord, would you use that to do your work. And so, God, would you give us the hearts and minds, the ears to hear what you would have to speak to us today. And as we read your word, God, would you be glorified in all we talk about and all the action that comes forward. So we pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, thanks for joining me in prayer. Now let's read our passage of scripture today. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. We read, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As we look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 17, I actually want us to recognize that there's sort of four components to this passage. And that will help us understand what Jesus was doing, some of the timing, some of the situation around things, but it will also help us to understand what God's plan, or how God's working with his plan through what Jesus has to say. And so the four parts of this passage that we're going to look at are first an event that occurs that sort of triggers things. The second thing we'll look at is the geography. Where does this happen? Where is Jesus moving from and to and why? The third we'll look at is the prophecy. That's sort of that why piece that I mentioned. And then fourth, we'll look at the actual words of Jesus. What did he come to teach? What did he come to live that people may know about God's kingdom and about the way that God works? So let's start with this event. Okay, so right off the bat in verse 12, we read that when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. So we've been going through the book of Matthew and we've seen over the last couple chapters uh, sort of a quick progression of events. I mean, in the first couple chapters, we see the Christmas story, what we typically call the Christmas story, the, the conception, the birth, the, the traveling of Jesus in his early years. And then we sort of have this gap that leaves us uh, kind of questioning, wondering what happened to Jesus as he grew up. But as we come in to, to the end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3, we see that Jesus is a grown man now. 
And we see he comes and interacts with his cousin John the Baptist and he gets baptized and then from there the Spirit leads him out to the wilderness and then Jesus has this encounter with Satan and temptation and he's conquered over that and then at some point he's returned from the wilderness and now at some point, we don't know if it is immediately after, a few days after, months, we don't know exactly what, but Jesus gets some news. He gets some news that his cousin John, John the Baptist, has been imprisoned and is now of what will eventually come to pass is his sentencing for death. And we'll read about that later in Matthew. You can read about it in other places in the gospel or in history because this is a documented event. I mean, John the Baptist was this early religious leader and he came and was paving the way. God had sent him to pave the way for Jesus. He came to share the message about what God wanted to, to prepare people in their hearts and minds for what God was going to accomplish. But now... John the Baptist had gone to Herod, the ruler at the time, and, and started saying, hey, you're not lining up with what God wants. Because Herod had gone and married his brother's sister, and John says, that is not right. And Herod says, well, you know what's not right? I don't think what you're saying to me is right. And so Herod takes John and puts him in prison. All the while, Jesus is, is going about his, his life here. He's gone to the wilderness. He's come back again. We don't know the exact timing, but Jesus hears this. And for some reason, he knows that this is a marker. We, 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 we assume that what's happening here is the Holy Spirit is prompting him, as we'll see throughout his life, that the Holy Spirit prompts him to, to recognize what God the Father has for timing and what he's supposed to do to live out his mission on earth. And so Jesus recognizes that at this point, even though John has been sort of the front runner preparing the way, it's his time to decrease and it's time for Jesus to increase. It's time for Jesus to go on the move and to begin his ministry. And so Jesus goes and he goes, okay, I'm not supposed to be here in Nazareth anymore. I'm supposed to head to Galilee. And Galilee is this sort of mountainous region. It's got the Sea of Galilee, which is really just this giant lake. And uh, he goes there and he settles down, it says, in the town of Capernaum. Now, normally when we read the Bible, I think for most of us, we, we don't pay a lot of attention to the city names or geography. Maybe if you've uh, been to the Holy Land, you recognize these places, you've been there, you've traveled, so it kind of comes to life in your mind. But for most of us, I mean, maybe we've seen the, the maps in the back of our Bibles or we've read about these places and we know because it's telling us that he leaves from one place to another, that he's done some traveling. But we often don't think about what does that mean? What does that look like? What's the significance of that event? But I want us to be cautious in doing that here because that's repeated. Jesus' movement is repeated here in Scripture. First, Matthew tells us just the fact that Jesus went from one place to the other, but then he gives us a prophecy, a prophecy that came hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Now, whenever something's repeated in Scripture, it's worth us just taking a, a mental note there and coming back and, and thinking about it and studying it. But here especially, because it's connected to this prophecy, and we know that Matthew's sort of building this case for Jesus coming as not just a, a, a physical person, but as the embodiment of God, as God himself to establish his kingdom on earth, this prophecy is going to be significant. And so the geography 
has to be significant because it's in the prophecy and it's being repeated here in this passage. So we see that Jesus leaves from Nazareth, this little kind of country community in the first century. This is where, you know, the country bumpkins would be from. This is Hicksville 101. And, uh, you know, it's kind of off in the distance from, you know, the hub of what's happening in the world at the time. And he travels from there a little bit closer into a more significant community. The area of Galilee is this uh, fairly interesting intersection. If you looked at it on a map, you would see that you can access Israel through a number of different routes. Of course, I mentioned uh, the the lake, the Sea of Galilee, which created a a wonderful path for people to, to ship goods and move things through on. And so Galilee was sort of this intersection, a crossroads, if you will, for where the world could meet. And so Even though we're in a predominantly uh, Jewish community, there is tons of Gentiles. There's tons of people who have settled in this place to be from the north, the south, the east, and and they've all come here to to make this community their own and to become a, a hub, a trade center, a really vibrant city. And so we think in one hand, well, that that sounds good. It makes sense that Jesus would go there. But if you actually know that that's sort of an, an outskirt hub city, the real happenings are down in Jerusalem. They're in Bethlehem. There's the big cities where things would happen. And so when we see that there's this prophecy that one day God will establish his kingdom, he will bring a light to the world. If you were to think about that without knowing all the context, you would go, well, it's going to happen in one of those other cities, the Jerusalem or the Bethlehem. I mean, think about if, if God was going to do something in BC, if we were anticipating that God was going to show up so that his news could kind of radiate out around our province, where would you expect him to, to show up? When I think about that, I think, well, he's probably going to show up in Vancouver or Victoria. I mean, he's going to be in the cultural hub or he's going to be in the political hub. Like, that's just where I would assume or where if I was making the plan, I would put them. But what God didn't do is put Jesus in the Vancouver or Victoria. He put Jesus in the hope. Like, hope. We know hope. You know, maybe you know a couple people in hope. Most of us have driven through hope. And the reason we've driven through hope is it's the access to the province. Right? Or it's where the province comes and meets to come to Vancouver, head over to the island. Hope's this funny little city that exists because there's three branches of highway that go off from it. That You can go up north, you can come west and head to Abbotsford or go into the city, or you can go sort of northeast or, or southeast from there. And so what's happened is Hope and Galilee are sort of those same communities. Communities where there's stuff happening, uh, there's a lot of intersection of people, but not really where you would think a lot is going on culturally and politically. But there is something important happening here. We see here that it tells us that this is Galilee of the Gentiles. This is the place where both Israel and the world collide. It's a place where all people are represented. And so as I think about that, I think about the incredible meaning of not just the geography now, but merging the geography with the prophecy. God had told Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth that I am going to bring my kingdom to earth. I'm going to bring my light to the darkness and I'm going to do it where both 
Israel, my people, and the world are. And I'm going to bring my light to all of them. This is an incredible thing for us to think about the significance of. God wasn't just fulfilling a promise here when Jesus arrives in in Capernaum, but he's actually fulfilling an incredible spiritual event that will go and impact the entire world. He chose the hope so that he could spread his news out through and from the crossroads. And there in this crossroads community, Jesus brings his message. We read in verse 17, from that time on, so this is when Jesus arrives in Capernaum, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus' message is so simple. It's so clear. He doesn't add a whole lot of complexity. He has one message for people to hear. That they need to repent. They need to turn away from their going, seek forgiveness, and head towards the kingdom of heaven. In other places in scripture, we, we see this called the kingdom of God, but Matthew uses the language of the kingdom of heaven. He says, heaven has come down, and he's trying to get people to understand, I'm the one, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one who's come to establish the kingdom of heaven, not, not just for a moment, but for eternity. But, but don't be confused by eternity, because it is near. The kingdom of heaven is being established now. And so while he establishes the reality of, what, of who he is and what he's doing, he also tells people that there, there's a choice to be made. The choice is to choose a kingdom. He says, I've come and I'm, I'm establishing God's kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is here and you have a choice. Do you want to be part of that kingdom or the kingdom of the world that you're living in? Well, right now you're living in this world. You're living in this kingdom, the, the, the kingdom of the world. This is the kingdom that, that isn't where God wants his people. This is the place where people are separated from God. And so if you want to move from here to, to where you really want to be in, in God's presence, with God's power, with God's spirit in your life, with, with God for eternity, then you got to do something. you got to turn from here, acknowledge where you are, have gone wrong, and go over to here and embrace what it looks like to be a citizen of heaven. Now he doesn't go into all of that right here in this simple line, but we'll see that Matthew's setting up right at the beginning of verse 17. It says, from that time on. So Jesus, this is his core message that he's going to teach time and time and time again. And we're going to see all sorts of different ways that Jesus shares this message, that he reveals parts of it to people in different ways. He, he kind of unpacks what this means. He repackages it so people can understand it in a different way. But at the end of the day, he says, you, if you want to be with God... You need to turn from where you are to him and join him where he is. Repent and turn to God. And that message wasn't just a message for this day. We say from that time on, that includes to today. We believe that Jesus, yes, he's a historical figure, but he wasn't just a man, but he is also God. And so he continues on. Even after his earthly death, he rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven and he continues to declare this message that the kingdom of God is near and you need to come and join me there by repenting. And so I'd ask you, have you done that? 
Have you chosen to turn from the way of the world and gone towards the kingdom of heaven? Maybe this is your first time hearing this message. Maybe you don't know a whole lot about what Jesus has to teach. Well, what I'd encourage you to do is this week, take up one of the accounts in the Bible that tells us about the life and teaching of Jesus. You can look at any one of the four Gospels, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and just take time to read it. See how Jesus brings this message time and time again through his words, through his actions, through his interactions with people, and allow that to kind of instruct you and inform you about what he's calling you to, what he's calling you out of. Maybe you've heard this message before. Maybe there's something in you that brings you to a place where you say, no, 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 there's something true about what Jesus is saying. I know that the kingdom that I live in right now will one day end with sickness and death, and I don't have a hope for the eternal part of things. Maybe you know that there's something about Jesus, something about this kingdom of heaven that you need. Well, Jesus tells us, he says, well, what you need is you need to turn and repent and follow me. As you read the Gospels, as we can look at the teaching of Jesus, we see that, that Jesus didn't just come and, and give us words, but he actually offered himself. He said, you know what? I'm going to provide a way for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to provide a way for you to enter into God's presence. And, and what the reality of, of your life and my life is, this is what Jesus teaches. He says is we're sinners. We're broken people who rebel against God's ways and wishes, and because of that we fall far, far, far short of God's standard. And there's no way that we can enter into heaven because we fail perfection, the perfection and holiness that God is and exists in. But Jesus came as fully God as, and lived, not just as fully God, but as fully man, so that he could die as a substitute for us, that the cost of our sin and our rebellion against God could be paid for so that by turning and asking him for forgiveness, we would be welcomed in to God's family, into God's kingdom. And so the action that we need to take is simply to turn and acknowledge what Jesus has done. To say thank you, Jesus, for coming and not just teaching, but living it out, for paving a way for me to be in your presence now and for eternity. There's no magic word. There's no special thing that you have to accomplish, but rather we're just invited in. We just have a conversation. That's what prayer is. It's us talking to God and you just share what's on your heart and mind. And for you, whether you have more questions, whether you are going to make that decision today, I'd invite you to also reach out to us at the church. We would love to help you in this. We have people who would love to meet with you and work through questions. But maybe you're at that point where, where you have accepted Jesus. Well, we want to celebrate with you. We want to come around you and encourage you in what you can do to take next steps in this new life that you will live following Jesus and as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And this is great news for all of us. But it's not a one and done thing. Sometimes we read this and we go, well, okay, well, I, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've repented, so uh, kingdom of heaven, here I am. 
But as followers of Jesus, we're called not just to arrive at a destination, but to continue in our journey of following after Jesus and trying to be more like him. So how can we be like Jesus? Well, we can bring the message of Jesus to others. We can continue to be the people who bring this message forward to those who have yet to know him. And so to help us ask ourselves, okay, what can I do next with this message of Jesus? I'm going to ask us two questions today. And I want you to take those questions and just ponder them. Really think about them. Don't just quickly respond. And for some of us, our response will be like, ah, no. And for some of us, you might get offended by me asking this question. I don't want it to be that. But what I want you to do is uh, have an opportunity to ponder your relationship with the message of Jesus and to spend time talking to God. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal for you what is next as you try to live out in following Jesus and bringing his message to the world. So the first question I want to ask you is, are you ashamed or embarrassed by the message of Jesus? If we're really honest, for a lot of us, for so many of us, this is a, a, a big ask to have us go and share Jesus' message. It makes us uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm going to share this message with other people. What, what, maybe you ask, what do I know about it? Or, or maybe you just have this sense that if I bring this message to people, there's, there's a chance that people are going to reject me over this. There's going to be a chance that people are going to disagree with me. And, and I, you know, I, I'm a peacekeeper. I don't like that. I, I avoid confrontation. And, and, and so we go there. Or maybe we just look at the message of Jesus and we go, man, that's an exclusive thing. Jesus tells us there's, there's one thing we can do to go to heaven, and I, I just know people aren't going to be very comfortable with that. Well, that's the message. This is what Jesus brings for us, and he invites us. This is the incredible thing about God. He invites us in to embrace our call to be like him. He invites us in to be used by him to bring his message to the world. And so we have to ask if we're comfortable enough with this message. And so let me address that in a, in a couple different ways. The first one, let's, let's address the exclusivity of the message. We know that the, the world is not comfortable with the fact that there is a one way to God and to heaven. We know that our world prefers a, a pluralistic worldview. We, we like thinking about the fact that there's multiple ways to God. There's multiple ways to heaven, whether you're a good person, you believe in this faith or that faith. It all ends up washing in a wash at the end and everything's all good. But Jesus does not bring that message. He says, no, there's one way. There's one way to be made right with God. There's one way to exist with God for eternity, and that is to follow me. He says, you have to repent from the way you're going. You have to accept what I have done. This is Jesus, and you have to follow me for eternity. That's an exclusive message. We have to come to a place where we can accept that. But what I want to encourage us in is while we have an exclusive message, we also have an inclusive God. This passage paints us beautiful picture of how inclusive God is. When God comes, he doesn't just come to the cultural hub of his people. He doesn't just show up to the Jewish people who had been his chosen people. We see that in the Old Testament. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to show up there and that's where I'm going to do everything out of and it's only one people and everybody else, pff, too bad. 
No, what God does is he says, when I'm going to come and establish my kingdom, I'm going to go at the crossroads of the world so that my message can go out and impact all people. In fact, it doesn't need to even go out from there. There is all sorts of people where Jesus first establishes God's kingdom. While there's an exclusive message that there is one way to God through Jesus, there is an incredibly inclusive, arm-stretched-out God behind that message who says, I want everyone to come to me. This is an incredible thing that we have the opportunity to go with. As we go out and consider sharing the good news, the message of Jesus with people, we have the opportunity to say, you know what, there is only one way, but God wants you, whoever you are, whatever background you're from, God wants you. He cares about you. He sent his son to live and die for you, and he wants you to be a citizen of heaven. So we have this beautiful picture I mean, as we even go through the rest of the book of Matthew, we're going to see God interact with so many people. Jesus, uh, we'll see next week, uh, comes around some Galilean fishermen. He goes to a Samaritan woman. He goes to Roman soldiers. He goes to religious elite. He goes to the most downcast of people, and he brings them all into his family. This is great news. But you might say, yeah, I, I can get to that part, but the reality is I'm still going to get rejected. People are still going to have an issue with it. I'm still I'm, I'm concerned about being uncomfortable with the pushback against what's going on. And then that, for me, comes down to this issue of allegiance. Matthew's going to bring this up time and time again. And as Pastor Je Dennis talked to us about uh, last week where we saw Jesus proclaiming his allegiance to God the Father when he was tempted in the wilderness. We too have those opportunities where we're going to come to a point and have to say, I declare my allegiance to God and the kingdom of heaven and not to this world. Absolutely, there will be people who will have an issue with the message of Jesus. There will be people who have issues with, with the exclusivity. There will be people who, who have all sorts of problems with the message of God, whether it's that he calls them to live in a different way or, or that it's one way or, or no way. And, and, and that's going to be the reality. But, but, but the question is, which voice is going to be the reigning voice in your life and whose side are you going to choose? I'm not saying we, we be belligerent or rude to anybody. We're going to bring this with care and compassion. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But we're going to bring this message with care and compassion and love because we care about these people. But at the end of the day, the person who, who we should be looking to for acknowledgement, whose voice we should be listening to, is God. When we consider whether or not we're in, uh, ashamed or embarrassed about the message of God, we have to ask ourselves, well, which voice is telling us that we are loved? Which voice is the, the one that was willing to send their son to live and die for us? Which voice is saying that I love people, I want people to be with me, that I'm willing to give it up at all costs? The vo that's the voice of God. And God says, I want you to be my citizen. I'm going to send you out, and there's going to be challenges as you present my message. But you know what? When we look at the scriptures, Jesus faced those very same challenges, but we know that they were all worth it when we see how he aligned himself with the kingdom of heaven. And so we too can be assured if that's what happened for Jesus, that will happen for us. It will 
it'll come, the negative stuff, but so will the love and warmth of God, his presence, his power in all things. We need to embrace that. I think we need to embrace what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes it's the power of God that we carry with us and what a great thing to carry with us as we go and face uncertainty as we bring the message of Jesus but we should never allow the world to shame us we should never allow embarrassment to come out of the message because there is a God who loves who's inclusive who's all-powerful who brings us and gives us his power that we get to bring forward to others that will lead to the salvation of so many people so that's question one question two then is maybe you say okay i'm I, i'm not ashamed I can, I can deal with that message so if someone comes and asks me i'm going to share it with them openly and honestly well that's why the second question am i compelled by the message of jesus Earlier I shared with you the story of sitting down and, and, and watching that video and, and, and just being sick at, at, at the state of our world and knowing that, man, there is people who die every single day without knowing Jesus. Even as I preach, people have died today. People have died today and many of them have never heard about Jesus. They do not have hope for eternity found through Jesus and his message. And that should just wreck. It should just like put a wrench in our heart and just twist. It should cause us to bleed, to ache. And out of that, we should be driven then to go and do something. How can we be so, 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 so callous towards what's happening in the world when that's the reality of the lives of so many people around us in our community? How can we say, yeah, I've got this great news. It's the power for, for salvation for all who would believe. And how can we sit on that and not be compelled to go and bring that we should see people it doesn't matter if it's a co-worker if it's a classmate it doesn't matter if it's a family member it doesn't matter if it's a friend we should see these people and if we know that they do not have the hope that's rooted in the message of Jesus we should love them and care for them enough that we bring this news to them that there is a way there is a hope in found in Jesus to enter into the kingdom of heaven for eternity and we should love them so much that we are compelled to go to them with the power of God that is that brings their salvation possible we cannot continue to go about our days in such a way that we are not compelled to live each and every day with this message at the forefront of our mouths in the way we interact with everybody around us you know, as I, I sat and I watched that video, I, I thought about the fact that, you know, I, I've, I've been asking God for this. This has one of been, been one of my prayers over uh, the last little while. I've just been asking God. I said, God, continue to put 
uh, brokenness and burden on my heart for people. Continue to, to just allow me to see the world the way you see it. Continue to, to, to stoke the, the fire and the passion. And, and we all know, you know, 2020 was a hard year. And I said, yeah, it's a, it's a tough year for ministry. And God just continue to, to stoke my heart so that no matter what's going on, I am compelled to go and bring the gospel to people. And what's incredible is that as I watched that video, as I, I wrestled with this passage, as I think about preaching this to you, is that God is fulfilling what I'm asking him for. He's saying, yes, I'm going to continue to bring that to you. And, and you know what? Brokenness doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a wonderful thing that, that compels us and drives us with the love of Jesus. And, and so I'd encourage you, Go to God, ask him to begin to do that. God wants to invite us in, not just on his mission, but on, in his heart and his mind. He says, I want you to, your heart to be transformed. I want your spirit to be aligned with mine. I want your mind to be focused on the things my mind is focused on. And, and he will deliver on that promise if you invite him in and ask him to do it. This is an emotional thing in the sense that I, I just want to plea with you and I just want you to go, okay, Kyle's excited about this and this is something that happened to Kyle, so I'm going to you know, use that as a fire for me for a day or two. That's not what this is about. This is about being a citizen of, of heaven and really embracing the God who loves us and, and becoming united with him in relationship and so caring about the things he cares about, about bringing the message that he wants us to bring into everything everything that we have to do that's my prayer for not just myself but our church that we would be a people who would look at the community that surrounds us and that we would see the brokenness the sickness the spiritual death that has come and that every single one of us would from that place be compelled to bring the message of jesus so will we not step into that calling Will we not embrace the heart of God as we live and move? Will we not be the people who take this message from the time of Jesus forward to today that people need to repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near? As I close in prayer, as we sing in worship once more, I'd invite you to just stop and consider that message. What does it mean for me? If you haven't yet received it, you need to embrace what Jesus is saying to you about the love of God. What does this passage mean to me? Do I need to rid myself of, of the shame and embarrassment, embrace the voice of God as the one that I will follow? Do I have to see the beauty of this message? What does this message mean for me? Does it mean that I should be more compelled to go out into the world with the greatest power that exists, the power of God for the salvation of all who will believe? What does this mean for you? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you are such an incredible God. The fact that you orchestrated things through time, Lord, that you brought a prophecy through Isaiah, that you, you brought your son to, to, to move about the earth and, and fulfill that prophecy, that you brought Matthew to record what was happening so that we now, centuries later, could read about it and, and then see it and be inspired by it and know you and God, that, that, that you established your kingdom long ago, but you have this wonderful plan that you are working out that we can be a part of. And, and Holy Spirit, I pray that we would wrestle with that right now that this wouldn't just be something for history that it wouldn't just be something for eternity but would it be for now and forevermore god would we be a a people who embrace your message who love your message who are compelled by your message would we be people who would carry your message out into our community with love and with with the heart that you have for people with the eyes that you have for people with the the mind that you have to accomplish your plan and god would we see your more of your kingdom come not just on earth, but in Abbotsford, as it is in heaven. And God, will we see people through, through us, through your work through us, come to know you. Will we see people bring you more and more glory? Because God, you deserve it. You are incredible. And we thank you for the opportunity to be in on what you're doing. So God, I pray for everyone who's a part of our church today. Lord God, would you prompt them in exactly the way that they need to go and would they embrace that? And would we see just that, more of your kingdom come to Abbotsford as it is in heaven. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.